Hey everybody and welcome to a new episode of my show. I'm Father Roderick and it is time to tell another story. And this week, I'm going to bring you back to the Shire because this is Tolkien Week. Just a couple of days ago, we celebrated the birthday of Bilbo and, uh, and Frodo. So, time for a Hobbit story. Many, many years ago, I think it was in 2009, I was visiting New Zealand. And a friend of mine uh, brought me to the one place that I had dreamed of visiting at one point in my life. And back then, it was not very well known, but for me, as a huge fan of Tolkien, as a massive fan of the movies, the three movies that were based on The Lord of the Rings, I was always hoping that one day I might visit the place where some of that, of that story was filmed. And as you may know, uh, all the Lord of the Rings movies were filmed in New Zealand. And New Zealand itself is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. It's actually one of those countries that if I didn't have any ties to the Netherlands, if I hadn't my responsibilities and my duties as a, as a priest here in the Netherlands, I might actually consider moving to New Zealand. But in the meantime, traveling there every, I don't know, 10 years is, um, helps me to, um, to overcome my homesickness. Ever since I visited New Zealand, I, I felt like, well, that's where I belong. This is, this is the place where I, where I want to be. And so I left part of my heart there. But this one place that I visited in, in 2009 was on the Northern Island. So a lot of the movies were shot in the Southern Island, which I visited many years later. Um, but there was one area in Middle Earth for which they needed a part of the Northern Island. And I think it was north of Auckland um, in, in the... The meadows there—it's the this nice undulating um, countryside, which looks very much like, you know, England, parts of France. Um, it looks very European. Uh, there, there was this location that they scouted when they were preparing uh, the movies, and they found this spot with a, a beautiful big tree in the middle of the of, of nowhere. There, there are no cities, no, no towns. There's a tiny town not far from that place called Matamata. And, um, but but the, the, the set uh, that was built is actually still about, I think it's about 15, 20 minutes by, by bus or by car away from the town center of Matamata. So they saw, they found this place, and it, it had all these hills, this big tree, and, and when Peter Jackson saw photos, footage of that place, he was like, that is the Shire. And he could immediately picture how on top of the hill uh, he would build Bag End, and then all the other smaller hills would uh, be perfect locations for other hobbit holes, and then that big huge tree that was standing at the foot of the hill would, of course, be the party tree that we know from the story. And that is how that very remote part of the Northern Island, uh, uh, Northern Island was transformed over the course of several months into the film set for Hobbiton. And uh, Bilbo's house was on top of the hill, and there was even a small tree 
growing on top of the hill, which I think is also something you see in the drawings that Tolkien himself made of, of Hobbiton um, when he was telling the story of the Hobbit to his children. And so um, they created these fake hobbit holes, basically, because these were just hills and they couldn't dig into the hills like hobbits would do. But they made these facades um, with, with, with the round doors in it and uh, they, they created a, a bridge over... There was this small river that ended in, in a pond. And then on the other side of the, of the river, they wanted to create an inn... Uh, the Green Dragon Inn, and there was also a mill next to the to the bridge, uh, all, all based on the descriptions that you find in the books of the Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit. And all of that was made for the movies, and as you may know, they were filming the movies back-to-back then. So all these scenes were filmed um, in, in, in one long uh, chunk of time, and they were filming all three movies at once. I, I, I still don't know how Peter Jackson pulled that off because you, you have to constantly know, okay, so this particular scene is taking place in, in this part, in this movie, in this part of the movie. The actors constantly had to switch back and forth in time. Um, and since they took, of course, a long time to film all those three movies, you can even see some of the actors, especially the ones that play the Hobbits, you see them evolve and grow up a little bit. And so um, for the Shire, they were able to film both the beginning of the story and, of course, as you, as you remember, the, the final scenes of the, of the last movie there too, when, when Frodo and the Fellowship return to the Shire. And then ultimately, of course, Frodo is not going to stay there. And he hands over his um, writing duties in the Red Book where Frodo has been um, continuing the story that, that his uncle Bilbo started writing down, he hands that duty over to, Fro- to Sam, and Sam is the one who continues um, this, this legacy. Um, and that is how we got the books, at least in Tolkien's imagination. And then Frodo leaves for the Grey Havens and moves over to the, the eternal realm of the elves. Um, and, and the Shire remains in place and is, is still there today. We don't know exactly how long ago uh, Tolkien situates uh, the, the events in the, the Third Era, but somewhere in my imagination, Middle-earth has survived on the, these two islands of New Zealand, and you can still go there all these years and decades and centuries later. And it still looks exactly the same. So imagine you're sitting in this bus and there's this lady who is going to give you a tour. And back then, this was right after they finished um, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So um, I'd seen some, some photos on the internet, but nothing beats being there for real. And it was a beautiful morning. It was uh, springtime weather. I was there, I think, in in September, but it's, uh, of course, all the seasons are, are the opposite of over here in, in Europe. So it was really nice. The, 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 everything was green. Um, there were flowers. And then the, the bus parks, um, not immediately near the set. You still have to walk a little bit. There's a, a bit of a, a visitor center. And then you go to, um, for, for the tour, 
to the place where they filmed everything. And I remember that that the first thing we saw was this open space with all the hills. But instead of the way it looked in the movies, it, it, it was much more empty. Everything was covered in grass. Um, where the hobbit holes used to be with the doors, the only thing that remained was some white painted plywood. And they had kind of uh, sawn out the contours of the original hobbit holes, but the hobbit holes themselves weren't there anymore. So, on the one hand, it looked like the overall landscape you saw in the movies. On the other hand, it was as if all the hobbits had moved, and this was just a kind of a memorial site for where once the hobbits used to live. So that was a bit jarring and a bit strange to experience that. It didn't look the same, and yet it felt so familiar. The lady showed us a number of photos. There was this um, uh, this this sign, and they had posted some photos that they took while Peter Jackson and his crew was filming there. And uh, on the photos, you saw the little hobbit holes and the, even the, the actors dressed up. Most of them were kids, actually, uh, dressed up as hobbits, running around. And then for the close-ups, of course, they would use all sorts of visual camera trickery to make the hobbits look very small. Um, so, and the inside of the hobbit holes, that was all filmed on stage. None of that was realized on location in Matamata. But on these photos, you see all these uh, nice, you know, round wooden hobbit doors and the windows and everything. And then um, she, she shows us a piece of styrofoam. And on the one side, you can see it's all white and, well, just like styrofoam. And on the other side, it was painted uh, gray. And she says, this is actually what most of the set was made of. You don't realize that because it looks real. But all of this was made out of very cheap material because they were only filming there for a, for a relatively short time. As you know, um, most of the story of The Lord of the Rings doesn't take place in the Shire. So since they only were going to use that location for, um, for a few months and... They didn't own it. They didn't own the place. They had just rented it from the farmer who actually had his sheep walking around there. And, and back then, um, they were still... The sheep were everywhere. And they were making sure that the, the grass wouldn't grow too, too tall. Um, and so in between the hobbit holes in the distance, you saw the, the, all these, uh, these uh, sheep, uh, different parts of, the, of, of, of a flock. Um, and, and, and so after they were done filming they tore down the entire set because it was so fragile that it wouldn't survive uh, the winter or rain. And according to what, they, what she told me later was Peter Jackson asked them to bring all that material to his, his own estate or his home. I don't know exactly where he lives, but apparently he's got a huge backyard. And he had them construct or reconstruct um, the, the set partially in his own in his own or near his own home, or well, I don't know exactly where, if it's in his backyard or not. But anyway, so none of that original material was was on location. So we walked around there, and it all. It, this was in the beginning when when Lord of the Rings was, of course, massive. But the the movies had been shot, and and 
kind of the interest for for the for the story started to dwindle down and, and everything became you know normal again and nobody thought that we would ever see more stories um, on on the movie screen because the only story left that was maybe one day going to be filmed was the Hobbit but the Hobbit it's a very small book so that they probably wouldn't turn that into a movie however I remember during the tour um, we so we you walk up to the to the top of the hill and back then the tree was still there and 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 doing very well later on all that would change but anyway so i remember that we took a photo from within the uh, bilbo's house and so you see me in the in the opening of the door and in the background you see the, this beautiful landscape there's nothing there so it it you really can picture like i am in middle earth this is middle earth um but on the inside of the hill, there was nothing. It was just basically a, a very small um, hole that they dug, but the, there's no furniture, nothing. And the door wasn't there either. It was all, as I said, just this, this facade in, in white plywood. But when we walked down the hill to the party tree, uh, the lady told us that, in fact, they had started to do some gardening. And she showed us uh, a few apple trees that they had planted and there was this small passageway this was kind of like a it looks like a dike like a, a, a bit of a hill uh, and there was a, a road from the foot of the hill to i think to the river or to the lake maybe and and they had started to 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 plant flowers and everything because back then they, she said there are very strong indications that 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 Peter Jackson is working right now on a Hobbit movie, and they've told us to prepare the set to start working. And of course, if they ever return to this place to film the the Shire, they will have to rebuild everything. But and this is a this is an actual problem um, since all the flowers and the trees were also removed uh or maybe back then they weren't even real real trees um we we need to plant them now so that if they start if they want to film in a couple of years from now all this must look as if it's been here for for decades and so back then they were already just in case this whole movie project would be greenlit they were already preparing the the environment and so, um, of course, as you can imagine, I, I was so excited to be there. And I wanted to take pictures of everything and to film everything. And I discovered, and this has been one of the biggest shocks in my life, that I had forgotten to charge my phone and my, my, my camera batteries. This must have been because of the big jet lag. Um, but I just, my, my, my camera sh shut down and I, I think even my phone, I tried to, to take a selfie or to film something of those trees that they were planting. I think I have like literally one or two minutes of footage from that it was still the iPhone 4. And, uh, and James, who came with me, uh, had, uh, James, by the way, while I'm recording this, is in the chat room. Um, so hi, hi, James. Thankfully, he had a, a professional DSLR camera, and it, so he took a bunch of photos. Uh, so I still have memories of that day, but my own equipment, 
I forgot to charge the batteries. And so I, 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 I kind of feared that if I would return to the Netherlands, I wouldn't even have any tangible memories of that, of that experience. And, and since it already looked a bit like a, 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 just a, a, a shadow of what the set must have looked like while they were filming, I, I was just taken aback and, and, and I felt so nostalgic and so sad. It's like, oh, this, this, will, they, will they ever come back here? Will this ever look like the way it looks in the movies? Um, and and I, when I returned to the Netherlands, um, for for several years actually, that visit to Matamata was was one of the most special moments in my life, and I didn't have that many photos to to uh, to kind of bring back those those memories. Now, flash forward in time, n- a number of years, um, I think for. Two years I've been scouting the news. Like, are they going to film The Hobbit? Is there any news? And and it was this whole project kept being postponed and there were all sorts of um, uh, problems with the Tolkien estate, etc. Because, of course, The Hobbit, um, even though the rights to The Hobbit were sold by Tolkien so he could finance uh, his children's studies, uh, there are still a lot of caveats when anyone who wants to use the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings still will have to talk with the Tolkien estate to negotiate all sorts of other uh, things, what what you can do, what you can't do, and how um, these these new versions of the stories must honor uh, Tolkien's legacy. So it took forever for this for this movie, which back then was still, I think, being. Uh, conceptualized as, as one or, or maybe two movies, um, uh, it, it seemed like it would never happen. And then in 2011, I think, finally we got word that they they were going to make two Hobbit movies. And, and this was, of course, so joyful to hear, they would go back to Matamata. They would go back to the place where they had initially filmed the Shire and they would rebuild the entire set. But this time, they wouldn't build it with styrofoam and plywood. No, this time they would build the set in such a way that it could be preserved after filming was done. Of course, this was much easier to negotiate with the the local authorities, and they were probably able to strike a very good deal with the farmer who owned those lands, um, because they knew from The Lord of the Rings how incredibly important that franchise was and remained for for New Zealand for tourism, and so once the movies were greenlit, um, they knew that they wanted th- that place to to stay uh, um, to to look like the Shire, so it would become a, a a new tourist attraction. And so, many many years, I never thought that w- I, that I would return to New Zealand. But many years later, I think it was in um, in 2016, I actually was invited back to, not to New, Z- New Zealand initially, but to Australia. But since I was going to travel all the way to Australia, I figured I might as well book a second flight and go back to New Zealand. And that's what I did. 
um, I, I think my total stay in, in, in down under was uh, like two and a half weeks. And I spent, I think about 10 days in, in New Zealand. And this time, not only did I go to Auckland and I would be able to go back to Matamata with James, but I would also travel to Wellington. I took, I took a, like an internal flight and, um, Thanks to my friends over there, they, they found me a family who, who actually lent me their, their second car. And I was able to drive all the way to, the, to the, the southern part of the southern island where I was able to visit the places where they had filmed um, the uh, Rivendell and the, the, a lot of the mountain stuff that you see in the Lord of the Rings. And, uh, and so that, that's a whole other story. But, but as far as the Shire is concerned, so I went back to, to Matamata. We took the bus, and, and this time the visitor center was much bigger, and it was really, uh, you, could, you could tell that, that this time they had organized this uh, perfectly. And it, it was a, a very quiet day. The, the, the weather forecast wasn't very um, uh, favorable. Uh, there would be rain later on that day. But when we arrived, maybe because of the weather forecast, there weren't that many people. And so this time there were several groups that got the tour. Back then, in, in 2009, there was just this one lady, I think, and there was just one or maybe two groups per day. Now there were several concurrent groups walking around there on the premises. Um, and I immediately saw that everything had changed. And this is the, the, the weirdest thing uh, of this story. So, I, again, the, 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 the starting point of the tour was in the same place where you see uh, the, the entirety of the premises. You, you see the hills in the background. But this time, no more white plywood. This time, all the hobbit houses were there. And not only that, they had cre little gardens. And there was furniture. There was, uh, uh, like rocking chairs in front of the hobbit homes there was even some some smoke coming from the chimneys like as if all these hobbit holes were really dug into the mountain and we had another guide and he said you know you're lucky to be here today because it's very quiet so we have all the time in the world for our tour and in fact when i'm done I'll just let you explore. You can take as much time as you want. There's no rush. We'll end in the in the green dragon. And so I looked in the direction of the green dragon. And, and to my great surprise, the bridge that we had only seen during the first visit on photos, the bridge was completely rebuilt. The mill was there. And they had built the entirety of the green dragon, which is the biggest building of Hobbiton. Um, of course, like formerly the biggest building uh, is is Bilbo's house, uh, but since that is all underground, you don't see it. You don't see how big it is. So the the Green Dragon they built the entire thing. That's where the tour would end, and then we would be able to walk around as much as we want. So um, so that's what we what I did, and um, we got to tour, and it, it felt so different. And it was as if I was. This was several years after my first visit but it felt as if I had traveled back in time. This was more the Shire than it was when I initially finished. So it was such a strange, strange experience of, I know that I am now in the future, but I am actually in the past. 
<laughs> this is what it looks like in the Lord of the Rings. They did a terrific job recreating everything that we know because, of course, the, the Hobbit movie takes place before the events of the Lord, Lord of the Rings. So it's actually normal that everything looked slightly different from the, what we saw of the Shire in the Lord of the Rings movies. And I remember that we we walked through the, there were old pathways uh, leading us uh, alongside the, the various um, hobbit holes. And I saw those apple trees, the apple trees that they, that they planted all those years ago now looked like, like real full-grown apple trees. Um, and then the guide took us to the top of the hill and he said, do you see that little tree? Like a couple of years ago, um, that tree was still doing well, but it, um, it's dying. And you may actually notice that some of the branches are now fake. Weta Studios in Wellington, they actually just rebuilt part of that tree. And then uh, we turned around and we saw this, um, uh, this big party tree, but it, it didn't look as, as good as it looked in 2009. Uh, in fact, what happened was that there had been a storm and a number of big branches of the tree had, had uh, broken off. And then the tree itself was also not as healthy as it used to be. Um, so they were a bit worried about the, f the future of the tree because it's such an iconic tree. That was actually the, the one thing that, that convinced Peter Jackson that this was the place for, for the Shire. Um, they were afraid that maybe that tree wouldn't make it over the years. But then they said, well, we have Weta Studios. If necessary, they'll just completely build a new tree and you won't be able to tell that it's a fake tree. So the, the tree that's now, right now, on top of Bag End is, in fact, completely fake. It is a prop. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And then also, the, um, the green door of, of Bag End... Um, is now always ajar, so it's always a bit open. And on the inside, instead of just being this muddy hole that they dug in 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 the uh, in the hill, they actually put up some some walls there and and a hint of furniture. Not not everything, of course, because uh, it's just impossible to build that underground. But now it feels very much like like a home. And and, and in my imagination, I could just step in and live there. Um, and also, so they, they brought us back to the, uh, to the inn, to the Green Dragon Inn, and it had started to rain, and it was actually quite chilly. Um, so we had um, a beer. There's beer that they were brewing specifically for, um, for, for the Green Dragon. Um, and I remember that I ordered, like, pie. They had these cottage pies, and you could sit in front of the fireplace. There's this beautiful little hobbit fireplace with two very comfy seats and i was having like a beer on the on a side table i had pie in my hands warm pie and i was sitting warming myself at the fire and i was just a hobbit that that, that is it was one of the most incredible moments of my life and I can go back anytime at will to that place. And this time, of course, I had my camera and I have filmed like, <laughs> I don't know, hours and hours of material, even though it was raining and it was starting to rain quite a bit. And I, I think at one point I, I just left James behind and I, I went for a big tour and I was filming everything that I could, uh, that I could see. Um, and um, and it's, it's, it's amazing to have that... Uh, Th that footage from that visit. Now, what I, w one of the things that I 
that I've learned from this experience is that um, we, oftentimes when we look back on our lives and on, on, on important experiences, we almost feel a little bit like the elves when they are starting to leave Middle-earth. They've been living in Middle-earth for centuries, but now, of course, that, that Mordor is getting stronger and the, the era of the elves seems to be at its end. They are preparing to go to the Grey Havens and to leave Middle-earth forever. And there, there's, there's always a bit of that nostalgia in the elves, also because they live so long, and so a lot of the people that they befriend, uh, or the dwarves, or the elves... Uh, or the humans, um, they die, whereas the elves uh, are still alive. And so there's always this 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 sadness in in the elven culture. But oftentimes we are the same. We we look back to to important moments in our lives and we feel a bit of regret. It's like I I will never be able to go back. And it was so amazing, but now it's just a memory, and it's and and the best is behind me. I'm only getting older, and there will be a moment in my life that I won't be able to travel anymore, and and then so it will be forever out of my reach. And you know what? In fact, this whole experience showed me that sometimes it's actually the opposite. Sometimes, when you first arrive in a in a place, and you think, "Well, this is it. It's just the remainder of what once was a beautiful film set, but it was all made with plywood and styrofoam." None of this will ever look the way it looked in the movies. But some people were already planting seeds and planting these little apple trees and, and flower beds because they had hope that this future movie based on The Hobbit might actually get greenlit. And they wanted this place to be ready for that, to be ready for that future. And thanks to their vision, like their hope, like, well, if... if we we want this place to be the Shire in the future. We need to start working on it right now because it takes time for plants to grow, for trees to grow. Um, if they hadn't had that foresight, if they hadn't had that vision and that hope, it it wouldn't have looked as good as it did. And so many years later, the Shire was actually more beautiful than it was when they first filmed it for The Lord of the Rings. So the best is not always behind you. Sometimes it's ahead of you and you don't even realize it. What is the life lesson that I take from this whole experience is that sometimes you have to keep planting seeds. Even if it's just a dream that you have, an ideal, and, and maybe it will never happen, but if you don't start planting seeds now then none of that will ever grow. If you don't have that dream, then nothing will ever come from it. But if you keep hoping that the best is yet to come and that you never know what God will, will, will give you, will grant you in the future, um, you give up too early. <laughs> um, dreams need hope. And, and, and hope sometimes needs dreams um, and and beautiful things in life often just require that first step. Let's plant some seeds because you never know. And I had never known that one day I would be walking around there uh, an entire morning in the Shire and, and this time my batteries were charged and I did have spare batteries and I did have a lot of SD cards and, and so I filmed everything that I could do. And you know what? 
back then, I, I, I almost was certain that that wouldn't be my last visit to Matamata and to the Shire. It's almost like in Rome, you have this fountain, the Trevi Fountain, and when people visit Rome, uh, there's this tradition that they turn around with their back to, to, the, to the fountain and they toss a coin over their shoulder, and if it lands in the water, it is uh, a promise that one day you will be back in Rome. Well, that's how I felt in the Shire. I didn't toss a coin in the, in the, in the river or in the, in the lake, but I knew, you know what, this country keeps pulling on me. One day I'll be back here. <laughs> One day I'll return to the Shire. Never give up hope. Never stop dreaming. That's my story for today. Thank you so much for listening. There will be another story next week. And in the meantime, happy Tolkien week. And uh, maybe a good occasion to pick up those books again or to watch a movie or, or, or six. Because <laughs> you, you can watch non-stop, non-stop Tolkien for, for, for weeks now. And another thing, before I forget, uh, I never thought that we would return to Middle-earth with movies and with TV shows as well. But look at, look at us now. We have stories of the second era. We've got the, the amazing rings of power. Some of that is also filmed in New Zealand. It gives me even more reasons to return. And of course, if I return, I'll bring you along. Take care and talk to you soon. <laughs>